for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Six-pack lap it at. We got Matt Gary, um, game day goat, rivaled by his wife, though. So that's debatable, isn't it, Matt? I don't know. Yes, sir. That's that's a tight one. But you're in the conversation anyways. Susie's in there. Um, Ray Williams, whom I believe it's not debatable. He is the 120-plus goat. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody's caught up to him yet. And it's going to be a while before someone catches up to his records and David Garcia, my man, how you doing? It's been what a few weeks. I saw you at PA Nats. Yes, sir. And you're coming to us for having us. No, no problem. It's my pleasure. My honor. You're coming to us live. Listen, it's got me in Canada, Matt in Ray in the U S and you're coming from Colombia. I'm Colombia down in South America. We got yeah. a Pan American cast right now. <laughs> it's, it, La Hacienda. La Hacienda. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. What, is, what does that mean? It means like ranch, yeah. uh, farm. That's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, look at Matt Gary being bilingual. I love Dude, it. Oh, yeah, man. He is. Look at Matt. Matt's been everywhere. You were saying before we yeah. went live, you've been to every continent except Antarctica. Yeah, I mean, and, and and South America. So that's the, the okay. those are the those are the last two. So I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, that's one well, of the best. If you uh, if you want to make a trip, I have a home for you. Hey, man, you don't need to you don't need to say it <laughs> twice. You don't need to twist my arm. I would <laughs> I would love to go to South America for real. Yeah, would you be sure. willing to ride horses? Heck, man, my father was in the cattle business his whole life. Deal. Come on, man. On a horse. Ray, I'm, I'd ask you, but I don't know if we have anything that's going to hold you, buddy. I was about to say, uh, y'all need a good ox for me. Uh, an ox or a bull. You they know what we would need? A we would bull. need a Budweiser, Budweiser horses. I was Clydesdales. just going to say the Clydesdales. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. You need it. So, Ray, how have you been? Before we went on, you said you've been doing some rehab. Um, let's talk about the PA Nats, uh, the decision to go the IPF route. But before we get into all that, Everyone who watched the PA Nat scene, you had taken an in, uh, injury. Everything was going nice and smooth until uh, until the injury crept up. What? When did the injury happen? And uh, and what are we looking at here? How bad is it? Uh, the injury happened because I was I was training uh, on a Saturday night. I was doing some deload squats and. Uh, I was spreading the floor. Everything was going good. It came down to the last set. And I lost tension in my glutes and hamstrings, but my feet were still pushing into the floor. So on my first rep, I come out of the hole, I'm fine. Second rep, I kind of got twisted. I felt something go wrong in my knee. So I'm like, if something's wrong, I wouldn't be able to do this third rep. So I went ahead and did the third rep. I was working with like seven. I, correct me if I'm wrong, coach. I think it was like seven fifteen. I was beltless. Um, I didn't even have on my regular knee sleeves. I just had on the weightlifting knee sleeves. I just, you know, it was just, you know, a, a deload, and I felt fine. And then the next day, it tightened up, and. Uh, I couldn't deadlift or squat for like a week or two. 
we got to the point where the soreness was out. Uh, I worked it out on the, uh, on the squat max and got back to where I could train again, but I never really let it heal. So fast forward to December, uh, December 10th, I was going to compete at uh powerlifting America meeting in Hasburg, Mississippi with my father. So like five days before that meet, it was freezing in Mississippi, freezing, like seven, 14, six, it was freezing. And then the next few following days, it got really, really hot. So our old house, we didn't have a garage. We had a carport and we had some steps in the carport. So one morning, my wife, she, she goes to the gym to train. She takes my daughter to daycare. I'm cooking breakfast. And I noticed I didn't have any potatoes in the house, but I had some in the deep freezer. So I'm going outside to grab some potatoes. I put on some old tennis shoes. I step on the step. And because of the weather change, the steps had got slick. So I slipped on the last step and I retwisted the knee. But it wasn't, I didn't know how bad it was at the moment until I tried to walk back up the steps. I'm like, oh gosh, I did it again. So worked it out, rehabbed it, competed with my father, squatted. I think I squatted 970 at that meet. We treated that meet just like a training session. So I hit 970 then, and my knee, I noticed, kind of hurts a little bit, like a little bit. So um, the following week after the meet, me and coach had kind of came with a plan um, to stay on track. We don't necessarily, because we're because we were ahead of schedule on December 10th. So we was like, we can take our foot off the gas or we could take a moderate single. So I just took the 970 again at the next in the next training session. And even then, I'm like, I don't feel stable, something ain't right. So talk to coach. We kind of took our foot off the gas a little bit because, like I said, we were ahead of schedule. And uh, it just progressively hurt more. And then the move didn't help because now I'm walking up and down steps, in and out of the house, climbing in and out of U-Haul trucks. So when we got here to Virginia, like, it was sore for, like, the first couple of days. So I took, like, two days off and just jumped right back into squatting. And I noticed then that, yeah, it's not right. Like, I'm, I'm like, really, really hurting. So – me and Coach Gary just basically came up with a plan to let's just – let's try to get it to where we can nail the uh, the Carpino score, which after the squat, we were on track to doing so. But during my third squat, if you watch the video closely, you'll see I, I buckle like trying to set up because it's just – my setup was just stupid because I was trying to do everything off one leg, but, you know, by the grace of God and, you know, uh, coach Gary, you know, giving me, you know, the, the tools and the tips I needed to be prepared for, you know, what we, what we, what we had to go up against. Uh, we got through the squat and, you know, just decided, you know, like, let's actually get healthy. Um, before we do anything else. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, I'm just rehabbing this knee. I'm working on some of my other quote unquote weaknesses and, you know, just enjoying the process of just training. You know, I'm 
you know, I'm doing like benches and like wagon wheel deadlifts and all that crap, but you know, just enjoying training. And once it's time to go, we'll go. Can you tilt your phone just a stitch over? Uh, you're just a wee bit out of frame. Even a little. There we go. There it is. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah. So you, because I remember in PA Nats, after squats, it looked like you were pacing excellently to hit that Carpino. The bench, furthermore, and it you could see the pathway down to the Carpino, um, right down to the last pull. However, the further and further the day went, um, the worse and worse the injury looked like it got. And then when it got down to the deadlifts, that deadlift wasn't coming up straight. It was coming up almost like a, a reverse corkscrew coming out of the ground. Like you were very tilted, had one knee sleeve on, and you could tell you were battling something through. Um, but the game plan was excellent. It was right down to, okay, this is how we're going to get the Carpino. This is exactly, you got everything you needed to from all your lifts without going unreasonably too far over. Like the attempt selection was on point. Um, but here we are <clears throat> leading into this, um, into the PA Nats. Um, Matt, David, did you guys feel like the Carpino was on the table? Were you guys thinking this is going to be a 50-50 day? Um, maybe we'll get your impression first, Matt, and then I'll get David's because he was in the back. And you could tell me day of what they were thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just from my vantage point, I mean, I think I think Ray is is being is is he's being forthcoming, but he's not, you know, letting all the details out, which is which is fine. I mean, he he tweaked his knee. I think I think it's important to understand just context, right? We don't we don't make any excuses. Nobody nobody cares uh, what what goes on in, in your life and, and what setbacks you have. In fact, our opposition is probably thankful that we have these setbacks, um, but we're not going to complain. Uh, we don't run, run from it. We run to them and you just have to smile in the face of adversity. The fact is, is that he's, you know, been confronted with a lot of challenges, um, namely the knee, as he said. I mean, if we, if we back things up a little bit, it seems like it's been, you know, gosh, I mean, you know, if we rewind the clock to, to Sweden for a second, you know, and we, we have, um, you know, the situation in Sweden where Ray, you know, bombed out of competition at a world championships and so forth and lost a lot of weight and got sick and, and et cetera. And then we're working our way back and he gets COVID before the competition in Daytona. And we're, we're unable to do that one. And then he gets a uh, lower body injury that I believe was his IT band um, at the time. And then, you know, we, we take a couple steps back and take a couple steps forward. And then it's, you know, a quad hip flexor right before, um, trying to remember what meet that was. I guess that was PA last year that we were supposed to do, you know? And so anyway, it's been this repeating pattern, unfortunately, of, you know, take a few steps forward and then a few steps back and so on and so forth. So anyway, to, to get to your question or to answer the, the crux of your question. Um, yeah, the Carpino was definitely on the table. Um, I thought we had a reasonable chance of getting it, but when we realized that his knee wasn't right and in fact was feeling worse than it had felt in Mississippi, then we had to basically engineer a game plan that you know took a little bit off the squat. And look, the reality is that's his, that's his feature lift. That's his best lift. So when you have to take you know, something off of the squat. If that's your, if that's your ACE card, you know, and you already have to, to reduce that, then you have to make up ground elsewhere. And it's going to be difficult when you've got a knee and that, you know, as you said, he was kind of corkscrewing in the deadlift, but yeah, we thought it was on the table. We put together a plan that we thought 
was going to work. And it just, you know, it, it, it wasn't meant to be on the day. As you said, I think it just could a cumulative effect on the knee and the deterioration and the pain and so forth. By the time we get to the second, you know, and then the, finally the third deadlift, it just wasn't in the cards, but um, I think, you know, the plan was in place. And I think we we executed the plan well, and I'll, I'll let David speak to that because clear, clearly he was in the back with Susie, so he saw what was going on. I can only tell you that from my vantage point going into the meet, we thought that there was a reasonable chance. Yeah, I mean, you know, greater than 50%, probably, you know, maybe closer to 75% that we were going to hit this number, and it just yeah. didn't happen, so. How did it look back there, David, on the day of, um, obviously, going in 75%, you knew – the strength mm-hmm. was there. Ray, I mean, Ray did it just in December. So, Correct. but you're dealing with injuries going in. How did this unfold the day of in the back and how you guys thought you had to adjust? Here's the thing. Susie and I told him right off the bat, we need you to communicate with us the entire day. If something feels off, you need to tell us. If something feels good, you need to tell us. Whatever, Coach Gary will attest to this. People that have been coaching for a long time, one of the key factors is always the communication between the athlete and the coach. That's the reality. And being able to set the athlete up to the best possible scenario based on the information, the feedback that the athlete is giving you. If an athlete is hiding certain things from you regarding an injury, something nagging in the middle of a competition, then the coach isn't able to make the certain attempt jumps that are proper for that specific individual, right? The reality was Ray was communicating with us the entire time. Obviously he, you, anybody who's ever seen him in competition or in a warm up room, you see him, he's got a headphones in. He doesn't talk to anybody, especially during squats. And he is just game mode the entire time. So he communicated with us what was feeling good. What wasn't, uh, we kept them on track the entire time about when to warm up. Um, him and Mike T got to warm up together. So that was a special little warm up area. That's, that's always cool. awesome. Yeah. Um, to see the both, uh, warming up together is always, always a treat. Um, they're, they both kind of keep to themselves, right? That's, that's the type of lifters that they are. So it makes it really easy. And we just tell them, Susie and I both just, Hey, you're up, you're up. Uh, plates are loaded. Our, uh, prime predator performance group that was there was actually helping us load, and Susie and I, at the end of it, were like, this, this worked out really well in the sense that being able to work together as a, as a team to be able to get them all on track. So here's the thing. We knew what Ray was going through prior to the squats, throughout the squats, through bench, and definitely to deadlifts. When we got into deadlifts, we saw the first one and we knew this is going to be a battle. If that second one comes up, I mean, he's going to put everything into it, which he did, right? After the second one, we told him, listen, you don't have to do this third one. At the end of the day, we can keep you as healthy as possible. If you truly believe that you want to go for it, we can let you go for it. And we're right there for you. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, But Coach Gary told me before the meeting started, Number one thing is let's keep them as healthy as possible. In other words, we don't want to make, we don't want to have him get so badly injured by the end of the meet. That's going to take him out for six months, right. Mm. Or anything like that. So he trusts, we we trusted him to be able to at least attempt it 
right? Uh, we knew it was going to be a fight. Obviously, it didn't come up. That's perfectly okay. I mean, if he tried to grind it out or something like that, it could have increased the chances of injury. But he was smart. He listened to his body. He let go. He put it back down, whatever. Um, and we moved on. But uh, that was the type of day. The, the day was communication. And at the end of the day, he still came up. He still showed up. He made zero excuses. And he still put on a good show. So uh, th that was the end of it. I think the mic on your headset is rubbing against your shirt when you talk. Oh, my bad. There, you, you might have to. Better. Yeah, that's amazing. You're good. You're good. Yeah, there's Better. a little bit of poppling, but uh, thank no, you. you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what? Because you guys got to a thousand kilos even, and you were right there in, in line. It was it was excellently played in terms of a, a, a game plan, and um, I totally get why Ray would. Well, Ray, maybe you say it. when you were told that by Susie and David. What were your thoughts about going out for that final squat, even or sorry, final deadlift, even though your knee was banged up? What, what were you thinking when you decided, you know what, I'm going to go for this? I mean, to make a long story short, I don't know how to quit. Um, and I guess um, that can also work um, towards your detriment as well. It's just, I mean, we hear. Um, it's on the bar. Let's just see what happens. Um, and uh, the moment, the moment I tried to break inertia, I felt my right knee, the good knee, like I just, you, you know what overload feels like as a lifter. And the moment I felt it, like I had no pressure, like no drive was in that left leg. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do this because now I'm going to mess up my good knee. So mm. I just. You know, and like like you said, could have grinded it out, but it's just the fact that one thing we we try to do as um, as a team is we respect each other. Um, you know, I appreciate the fact that you know they didn't just throw in the towel for me on my behalf. They at least gave me the opportunity to to go put up a fight. Um, and you know, you know, there's no success without failure. So, you know, I know that the next time I take the platform, I have to be healthy because, you know, it's like Coach Gary said, um, we don't run from, we run to. But eventually um, running to is going to put you in a situation where you need to be at your best. And I know if I just keep trying to work through these issues, then – I'm always going to be in a situation where I'm not at my best. And eventually that's going to morph into excuse making. Like you don't want every time you take the platform, it has to come with an excuse. Like win, lose, or draw, like is win, lose, or draw. You either win it, you lose it, or hey, it's, it's a draw. Like you don't want to win and, you know what I'm saying, have no excuses. And every time you lose, you have an excuse. Um, that, that just gets redundant. It gets old and people get tired of it. And personally, you should get tired of it. But um, I say all that to say, I just, quitting just ain't in me. Like, you know, like people look at, you know, uh, anybody that's ever visited me knows the top of my monolith says squat or die. That is my mentality. Like, I don't know how to quit. I don't know how to, 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 so you know what, just save it for another day. That that don't that that, that don't go, go do well with me. You know, that's why I have a really good coach who, you know, at you know, 
certain junctures have, have actually had to tell me, man, sit your ass down. We ain't right. You're broke right now. And if you keep putting stress on something that's broke, it's going to get even more broken. So sit your ass out, sit down. Um, let's regroup and let's come back even better. So, you know, that's 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 pretty much it. You know, it was all about respect. They they gave me the opportunity to at least go have fun, to go get fired up and get let down. So now I have motivation to be better next time I take the platform, whenever that may be. I mean, look at you, you still get hit a thousand kilos and very few men in history hit that thousand kilo mark. So if this is the worst case scenario, it ain't half bad. And you got to show everybody the heart you had as well. Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, do you know how bad the knee is? Is there any kind of diagnosis or per prediction on a recovery time? Have you been told or? Um, I'm actually working with a really good, and I'm not going to throw his name out there because he's one of those guys that kind of like to stay out of the limelight. Okay. But I'm working with a really good proven chiropractor who works with um, a lot of big name strong men and, you know, just doing the PT and seeing him on a weekly basis has improved it. I think the problem, because every injury coach Gary just named you, IT band, the knee, all that happened on the same leg. And it has to do with my hips and a hip imbalance or having dysfunctional hips. Like everything happens to me on my left leg. My hip flexor, my IT band, this knee is all on the same leg. Nothing ever happens to my right leg. So, you know, I just have to get fixed. And, but to answer your question, I'm sorry, to answer your question, uh, it, it's, it's just a slight LCL strain. Um, uh, just got to rehab it, let it do its thing and get back after it. Do do they know yet like a, per, a possible time in which you might be, able to start training at a hundred percent again, or is it kind of touch and go and you're not sure? That, that depends 100% on me. Cause what I've been told is the longer you get stay off of it, the longer you sit still, the quicker it'll heal. But that's, that's hard. You know, like I'm, I'm in a, like I, I co-own a gym, like, so, but, but the thing is I, I am listening um, the stuff I do is just range of motion. Um, nothing, nothing hardcore. Like if I do do a deadlift, it's off wagon wheels. Um, I do, I'm, 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 I'm working my bench cause in my mind, I, I think I suck at bench. I'm working the crap out of that. I'm not squatting, um, anything like that. Uh, you know, right now I'm, I feel put it like this. I feel better each and every week. And talking to the uh, my Cairo, he was like, "You should be good to go 100% by mid next by by the middle of next month." Okay. Um. So by about the middle of April. Now, that would lead me to the following: uh, talking about a possible next competition. Now, I know you gentlemen are aware, and I'll I'll, I'll shoot this to you, Matt. Um. Chance Mitchell is pulled out of out of Sheffield mm-hmm. and that and Ray is the number one alternate to go to Worlds. Mm-hmm. Now the it still looks like 
you could fill a roster with the gentleman from PA Nats who hit Carpino in the shirt, uh, the Sheffield gentleman, depending on who hits Carpino's at Sheffield. Right. If Delaney does, if 293s do, but the fact of the matter is, Chance for sure was in contention to hit a Carpino, and Chance is completely pulled out. And the chances have to be higher now that possibly Ray could make it on a world's team. Um, what are your thoughts about that, Matt, in terms of his chances and possibly a world's team could as the programmer, um, do you think you could get Ray ready in time for worlds? If it's mid April that he's back, or are you thinking it might be a little tight? What are your thoughts on all this? Well, I've, I have a few thoughts. So, um, also, just by every objective metric, um, Ray should not have competed at, at PA Nationals. The, those are just the facts. Just with the life circumstances, and again, we're, we don't seek sympathy. We're not asking for comfort. Um, I'm just keeping it real and telling you the, the, the straight cold facts. I mean, the man just switched careers, moved halfway across the country, and was in the process of moving while doing this all on one leg and trying to get quality training in, which was very difficult. You know how stressful moving can be. He's got a little one in tow. His wife is pursuing her PhD, you know, simultaneously at the same time. Ray had just wrapped up his PhD. And so you have this imperfect storm, if you will, which made it increasingly difficult to get quality training in addition to the fact that he was injured. So I'm just saying that by every objective measure and metric, he should not have competed at powerlifting American nationals. And I, and I, and I told him that. Now, if we put a pin in that just for a second, we had a meeting of the minds and we understood the situation and, and the landscape. And this is kind of this one-off year, right? Where we've got the Sheffield competition. We understand that his biggest opposition and nobody else is essentially going to come to powerlifting American nationals. So we have this rarest of opportunities, right? To go into powerlifting nationals. He's, you know, rolling in there with half a gas tank, essentially, in terms of ability and on one leg. But Albeit, we have an opportunity to secure uh, a total that would, would hit this Carpino score and would thereby qualify him and make him, you know, the first qualification in his weight class to win the world. So for those reasons, because of this unique opportunity, that's why we said, hey, let's go have fun. Let's get, you know, your motor running as, as, as hot as we can and see what we can do. And it wasn't meant to be. Now, to answer your question, I mean... And I've said this since day one, uh, Ray is family and, and the most important thing to me is his health and his well-being, right? Availability is, is an athlete's greatest ability. And what I mean by that is, is your health, because if you're not healthy, you're not available to train. And so you see all the best lifters, regardless of weight class, the ones who are making the greatest gains. One of the reasons that they're making such good gains is because they're healthy. And so Job number one is getting him healthy. Now, to answer your question, yeah. I mean, now the chance has removed himself from the Sheffield. There are fewer people competing, you know, Americans that can hit this Carpino score. And so we're in this wait and see mode. But to your point, I mean, as it stacks up right now, like looking at the results, I think it's probably Ray or Deuce Gruden, I think, if I've, you know, done the numbers correctly. Am I right, Ryan? That those I think two guys... Ray's number one alternate, but I think Deuce is close by. If I'm not right, it's Deuce is close by, right. So so we've got a unique opportunity where depending upon how the flesh yield, chef, you know, fleshes itself out and, and who hits Carpino's there and who does it and so forth, that, yeah, he could, he could, you know, qualify for the national team to go to Malta. 
Now, having said all of that, that would be an extraordinarily quick turnaround. Right. <laughs> you know, if, 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 and it's a very big if, that he's physically ready to resume training, you're telling me that we only have less than two months to get this guy up to top form. You know what I mean? And so that's a tall order. I mean, I know he's Superman in so many ways and he's a superhero. I mean, um, but that's, that, I think that's a tall order for anyone and even a taller order for such a large man with such incredible strength. So I'll be honest with you. I haven't even thought that far ahead yet because my priority is, is him getting healthy and rehabbing and being well enough. And it's one of these things where if we get into one of these cycles where we're constantly taking one step forward and then two or three steps back, it's like at some point you have to pull the plug and say, look, we're just going to take some extended time period off and get well, right? And get the body right so that we can resume training at our normal pace and make some realistic gains. Now, having said all of that, this is about Ray's career. This is about what he wants to do, his goals, his objectives. And so while I can impart wisdom and I can impart love and I can impart sincerity and all of those things, you know, and, and we collaboratively make a decision. And I know that he consults heavily with his wife and he likes to pray on things and meditate and weigh all of his options. If and when we're confronted with that decision, then, he, you know, collaboratively we'll work through it. But ultimately, it's going to have to be his decision. And of course, I'll support him to the best of my ability in whatever way we can. I'm just saying that's that's a tall order if, you know, if he's healthy by mid-April and if he makes the national team would be to get him ready for an, an early June date with international travel to Malta. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just keeping it real. Again, not seeking comfort or sympathy. I'm just telling it like it is. Well, here's, here's and I'll, I'll throw this one at Ray. Um, the thing is too, to keep into like world championships are very special. To make a world's team is very, very difficult. Totally. And if he makes us world's team, how many world's teams does he have left in his career? Um, we don't know. Like you could like one, two, three, four, but it's very, it gets tougher and tougher. The closer you get to 40 um, injuries mount up. So it's one of these, um, you know, do you take it when it's on the table and can you say no to this opportunity if it's the last dance, so to speak? Ray, how do you feel about it? How do you feel if the world's opportunity gets thrown your way? Are you thinking I got to say yes, because I, I, I can't take this for granted that I'll get another one or, um, or you, you know, what are your thoughts on it? No, like, um, don't get me wrong. Recovery is not the same now as it was when I was 28. But as far as that feeling of um, my mortality uh, being a question, no. Like, I know what I can do. Um, that's just like me and Coach Gary. We wanted to show the world that Ray can still squat a thousand if he needs to. Um, he, we went to the Virginia Pro a couple of years ago, and that was the only thing I wanted to do. I didn't care about any other part of the meet. I just wanted to squat a thousand. So, like, as far as the whole, I mean, don't get me wrong, I get it. You know, um, 
data, statistics, history shows that the older you get, the the less inclined you are to do certain things. But in my mind, that's that's all in your mind. If you put the time in, you put the training in, you, you're able to do whatever the hell you want to do. And my biggest caveat is, are there more talented people in the world than me? Oh, yeah, without doubt. Like, even when I was winning consecutive world championships, there were way better lifters than me at these meets. But the thing you have to understand, I don't give a damn how much more blessed you are than me, you're not going to outwork me. They will bury me working. Like, that's, that's just the bottom line. I'm done when I say I'm done. And and that's not me trying to be the tough guy or or anything like that. That's just who I am. And, you know, I, I don't want anybody to mistake uh, my response for um, anything other than this is how I grew up. This is how I got raised. The first 18 years of my life were were very, 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 you know, bad circumstances. You know, one bad situation, we went from one bad situation to another. So everything I, I I put out there for the world to see, this is who I am. This is not some persona I put on when the camera comes on or, or for interviews or podcasts. This is who I am. And I'm going to work until I can't work no more. That's just what it is. And I do understand that, you know, there's, like I said, age is a factor. I do feel like when I train, I feel it. (laughs) I feel it a little bit longer than I used to. But the fact of the matter still is, even on one leg, I knew that, damn, we we got so much more in tank. It's just health, health just wouldn't permit me to go as um as hard as I wanted to. So just just to answer your question in, in a in a professional manner, um if I'm healthy, then of course if I'm healthy enough, if I'm healthy enough to where I can get within an earshot of who I know I am, then yes. But if I'm not, no, because and that's just me respecting the opposition. Like, I know how good the opposition is. And then if I go out there and I get slaughtered, then guess what? I got to make an excuse. I'm not healthy. Mm. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. If you weren't healthy, you should have stayed at home and let somebody else get that opportunity who may have, you know, gotten more out of it than you limping into a situation. So – you know, that's just one of those deals with me and Coach Gary and, you know, David, my wife. We'll put our heads together. We'll figure out what we're going to do. But when it comes to a world championship, you want to put your best foot forward. You don't want to get on that plane and in the back of your mind, no, man, if I just had two more weeks. Because that's exactly how I felt going to Austin. When I got on that plane to go to Austin – it just so happened, you know, from the move, I was getting my eating habits back on track. Me and my wife had went and bought dishes and all that. So I was meal prepping. Everything was going in the right direction. And I said it before I boarded the plane uh, to go to Austin. Man, if I had two more weeks. 
And I don't want that to be the case to go to Worlds because if it does come down to me and someone else and I know I'm not healthy, I'm robbing that individual who not, not necessarily they're, they're more deserving than me, but they would appreciate it more. And also they might get more out of it than somebody who would go to a world championship knowing good and well that they're not healthy. Mm. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a well said answer in terms of, um, you know, there is obviously the fear of regret of letting an opportunity pass by to go to worlds, but there's also that regret of having gone and you're not hundred percent, you're not comfortable with the presentation you give and it's attached to your name, your legacy, your resume. And you're like, I'm tired of doing that. I'm tired of, of, like you said, having to come on a podcast and talk about injuries. Like I was, I get it. It's, and, it's a, I'm glad I asked that. Cause it's a, you, you articulated well on why you might for a lot you, of people. And you, they, and you hit it, you hit the nail right on the head. You didn't have to say legacy. You didn't have to say anything. It's attached to your name. My grandmother told my grandma called me stealing once. She didn't curse. I didn't get a whipping. None of that. My grandma said one thing, your name will go further than you ever go. And that stuck with me for the rest of my, that, that, that that's something that I, I, I live by. You just got muted, Ray. Uh, somehow your your mic is muted, Ray. Yeah. There you are. There you are. Okay. You just, you got muted at, um, you were saying how your grandma said caught you stealing and uh, that's something you, you go by is uh, that it being attached to your name. Yes. Your name will go farther than you ever go. So I just, I really believe that to go out there and embarrass myself. And then when the, the lights get put in your face, so Ray, how, how do you feel about such and such, such, such? Oh, I was hurt. I knew I was hurt. I knew I wasn't going to do well. You know, it, it just sitting in that room at the PA NAS was hard for me. Cause you know, everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. Everybody was rejoicing, but on the inside, I'm sitting here like, no, no. And I still feel like that. Yeah. It leaves a sour mm. taste in the mouth. Yeah. I let, let me interrupt real quick and I'll leave it at this too, is for the next hundred years of the sport, I would love to see someone put up the total that Ray put up on one leg. <laughs> that that's, it's unheard of. Like if you, if you can try and just wrap when the meet was over, I saw him just kind of cooling down, kind of just on his own space. And I was like looking at the total. I was looking at, uh, at, the, at the screen. I'm like, this man just did that on one leg. How is that humanly possible? It, it makes you wonder, is it, 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 is it the power above? Is it God leading the way? What, what gets a human being to put up a total that massive on basically one leg it's it's insane it is un amazing and for the next hundred years i highly doubt anybody will attempt mm -hmm. to even come close to that if they're dealing with an injury such as his and that's not blowing smoke up his ass or anything like that that's just facts that's well, reality a thousand kilos in the tested division is like a, a milestone very few people will, will ever hit 
Um, so a thousand kilos still is nothing to scoff at. Obviously, Ray's hit more than that. And I understand Ray's standard is going to be different in, in his mind and he's earned that. But uh, to your point, David, a thousand kilos is it's, it's crazy. There are heavyweights all over the world right. who are like, if I can only get to the thousand kilo mark, that's yeah. my that's my career goal. Whereas um, on that day, Ray injured is like, well, I guess I'll settle for a thousand kilos. It's a, <laughs> it's a, but we're I talking about Ray Williams. But we're talking about yeah. Ray Williams, right? Uh, the greatest super heavy we've had in the sport. Um, should he right. go to Worlds? Is it yourself, David, that'll be going with him, or how does this work? Are, have you been hit with the Article Fourteen? We will we'll take it step by step, and we'll see what happens at the end of the day. Um, the reality is, there's so many politics within sport. Yeah. Which uh, can you hear me? By the way. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just there's so many politics and I wish there wasn't uh, at the end of the day, uh, especially us three that you have on this podcast right now, we care about the sport. We love the sport. So we're not going to get into the politics of it. We don't really care for it. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to coach our athletes to the best of our ability in the ability that we can. And we're going to see what, what happens and make sure that they're in the best position possible. So, yeah. Hopefully that gets amended. But uh, anyways, um, so yeah, we, we discussed worlds. I want to take a step back as well because we got Ray. It's been a long time since we had Ray Williams on the podcast. I think this is back to like 2019 ish. Maybe mm-hmm. is it get Matt? Was it, were you yes. on that podcast with us? Uh, I w- yes, I was. It's it's been a minute, man. It's it's, it's been, been a hot minute. Well, yeah, that's for- why I was saying. There's just so much stuff that's happened, and it just in his life, you know what I mean. That um, yeah. So it's you know, I'm again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just, because every single lifter, every single athlete has a life context and a life circumstance about them. That you know what I mean, and and so forth. So that's that's all I'm saying. It's well, just I, a lot. Wanna- a lot has happened. I want to get into some of the highlights though. I want to look yeah. back and get into some of the highlights of Ray's career. Um, now that I got him and uh, I'll ask Ray, I'll ask yourself, Matt and David, um, how did you meet Ray? When did you meet Ray and how did this partnership come about? All right. Beautiful story. I don't know if Ray even remembers that. I don't know if we've even talked about it. The first time we met was in Dallas, Texas at a fitness expo called the Europa. It was the very first time. Um, and we hit it up. We talked, uh, one thing that kind of drew us together was the fact that we both coach football, right? We're both strength at the end of the day, we're both strength and conditioning coaches at heart, right? Before the powerlifting part, that's who we are. Um, we both coach football as well. So that's how we hit it off. I think that was what 2016, Ray, maybe 15 fast forward to a year or two later. Um, Calgary. What year was Calgary? Was that 17 or 18? 18. 18. 18. 18. Mm-hmm. In 2018, um, Ray and I ended up hanging out uh, during that whole trip. We, we hit it off really well. And I will never forget this. I asked Ray, we're in the car. I think we're going to go do a, a, a photo shoot or something. And I asked him, I was like, hey, um, what is something you just really want to do in the future? And he had mentioned a couple of things and we had talked about the coaching part and he had mentioned the, the way he had described coaching. It is the identical way that I would describe coaching to someone else. 
and it it had a uh, a lot of method behind it, but it had a lot of realistic ways. So to give you a, uh, an example, some coaches they're extremely scientific and they forget about the the human side. Right? There is a human side to coaching. Coach Gary knows this. He has been around for so long. He understands this as well. So, and Ray and I, we understand both. The man's got a PhD. Right, I was about to say, man yeah, is exactly. <laughs> he's very educated. So the, the man is intelligent. So I know exactly what he meant by it. And so we started talking about coaching. And we just had the same philosophy. We had the same ideas, and it was like talking into a mirror. It was freaky, and he didn't realize it because I was mostly just listening to him. And I was like, I've been in this for so long, and I've never had another coach speak to me in the exact same manner. Uh, regarding coaching in general. So we started talking about that. We started talking about he wanted to one day have a facility. Look at that iron belt. He now has it. It's, a, it's like he spoke it into existence. And um, this is the one that really, really uh, hit me. He said, one day I would love, even if I did it only for one year, I would love to have a competition named after me like a sanctioned competition. Anyways, he competes that weekend. I want to say two months later, I get a call. And I get a call about hosting a, because I'm a meet director, about hosting a competition. They're like, hey, we have a slot open this year. Uh, We want to make it big, blah, 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 blah. This fitness expo that wanted us to host a competition was with Ronnie Coleman. So the Ronnie Coleman Classic comes around and they hit and they tell us, hey, you're the meet director to hit up. Let's do it. I was like, great. Awesome. Immediately, the first thing I thought about was this is the time. Ray is on a freaking incline right now with his world championship, with his national championships, with his records. Let's put a meet under his name. So we named it the Ray Williams Classic. I had it all planned out. I hit him up with it. I called him immediately. I was like, hey, man, do you remember that time you told me like two months ago you wanted to have a meet under your name? He goes, yeah. You want to make that happen? I will make that happen right now. But you have to give me the go ahead. He's like, hell yeah. So we jumped in at it. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. We jumped in at it. We collaborated on the the logo, which became super iconic. Um, The colors, the prizes, everything. I mean, we went all in. So one thing that was uh, really cool with that one was, if you know Ray, if you've seen any of his squat videos, you know he's got a WWE-like championship belt, right? Yeah. And that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ray, that was gifted to you, right? Yeah, my you. boy out of Florida, uh, Ray Ray's championship belt. His his name is actually Ray as well. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, and I'm I'm trying to think of different for at least the first Ray Williams Classic, different cool awards to do. And I come up and I'm I'm watching him. I'm watching one of Ray's squat videos, and I see this belt in the background. I'm like, that's it. I'm gonna do a WWE championship belt. And I, I, once again, I've been around the sport long enough and I haven't seen anybody do it. And I always love doing things that nobody's ever done. That's just who I am. So I wanted to do something special. So I was like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to do a male and a female. And we created this championship belt. I was like, hey, I have a surprise for you. I had already made it. I didn't even tell him. And I showed it to him. He was through the roof about it. He loved it. 
Um, and it brought a lot of attention. It brought a lot of attention to the meet. It brought a lot of attention to Ray. It was a, a personal touch that meant a lot to him because of that person, that his own championship belt. Um, and then we did something else. Um, we did a round trip ticket to the Arnold. We gave that away. And that was like a random raffle. And we, <laughs> funny enough, Johnny Candido competed at this meet. <laughs> Oh, wow. That was one of his, uh, yeah, Johnny Candido competed at this meet and we did this random raffle and someone was going to win a round trip ticket to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and Johnny Candido won it completely random. And he comes up, he takes a picture next to us. And He's from he, Ohio. <laughs> exactly. Right. His family's from up there. So he, he whispers and Ray's in my ear. He goes, you know, this is going to look rigged. I'm like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you won fair and square. It was random drawing. I didn't even pick it. So, um, so that's how the original uh, story behind Ray and I hit it off. And we've just worked on a couple of other projects to the point that we recently, in the last couple of years, we uh, started our own coaching company. So like he's been around coaching for so long. He's been doing it for so long. He's been coaching his own individual athletes uh and so have i so everybody always asks me hey why don't you create a company blah 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 i'm like if i if i do it i want to do it right and i only it, it wasn't that i didn't feel comfortable doing it myself i just rather shared that with someone else hmm. and he's been my best friend since since 2017 18 whatever it was um and here's my relationship with ray is he he focuses on his own thing and I focus on my own thing. He does his own part. I do my own part. I never have to worry about it. He never has to worry about me. It's we're so independent of each other. And that's how well we're able to work together. And we share ideas, whether it's about coaching, whether it's about events, uh, seminars, things like that. It's uh, we just hit it off and we're completely two different people. We might be saying the exact same thing, but we say it in different ways when it comes to, to the coaching world. So uh, we've had a, a, a great friendship relationship. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the whole big story behind uh, Ray and I. Um, and moving forward, we've just, we're going to continue doing more great things uh, whether it's projects, seminars, events. So yeah. And you guys also have an absolutely amazing logo, by the way. I don't know who you got to make that, <laughs> that logo. Was all David. That was all David. Dude, that's phenomenal. Oh, it's it's catchy, man. I see that. I'm like, I, oh, they hit everybody, it. It's, everybody wants it on a shirt. And it, it's oh, difficult yeah. to do the apparel. It's so difficult. And it's kind of annoying in a way. Um, just because him and I have so many other moving parts. And I think we want to put out the apparel more. Uh, we just... It, it's hard to find the time for him and I to both work on it at the same time. But that logo is uh, special. Uh, we made sure we tweaked it. So we weren't going to get copyright uh, type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, like it's very minor details, but it's enough to be like, you know what? It's not the same. Yeah, that's how so, you do it. Um, and obviously he's Optimus Prime. And when I got into uh, competing way back in the day, Gino was the one that gave me the nickname, the Predator because of the dreads and because of the intensity that I bring into competing and coaching. So that was the reason behind it. And so prime predator and him and I believe in performance uh, overall. So prime predator performance P3. It works. Um, <laughs> Ray, what is, 
the most memorable powerlifting moment you've had thus far in your in your career? And that's probably a tough question because you've had some big ones, my friend. You've had you know, multiple world jet titles. First time you squatted a thousand pounds or what, what would you think? And you know what? If it's, and you could break up this question if you want to make it easier, where you could say, this is my proudest sporting moment was when I hit this total or that squat or that title win. And you could also say, this is a moment that pops out and it could be when you met somebody or some kind of moment like that, a little different. Uh, feel the free to answer it. How moment. Like. I, I can answer that in one sentence. The best moment was uh, in Finland. Uh, the the best competition I've ever been a part of. When it was myself, it was Kelly Branton, it was Jezza Uepa, and Blaine Sumner, all fighting for the same thing. Like that was one of the best competitions. I've like the intensity in the warm up room. You could have, you could have, you could have bust through it with a sledgehammer. Like we knew, like we knew taking that platform, it was going to be an all day event. And it came down to the last pull by Blaine. And it was just, it was, it was one of the greatest competitions, the greatest fights I've ever been a part of. Yeah, 2015. Like, that, that's just a moment. And we all took a picture together after the uh the competition. Like that was one of that was one of my highest moments. Like just that level of competition is what the sport is 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 built around. And if I had to say so myself, us four gentlemen, we took it there that day. Among those individuals, all of them, I believe, have won IPF world titles, Jezza 2019, Blaine and Equipment. And Kelly, I, I think at least in bench only, um, as well as, you know, breaking tons of records in Canada and whatnot. So um, all of you guys, like they, it is a murderer's row of like, when you look back, that's a hall of fame lineup. Yeah. Anyone listening? Definitely. 2015 isn't long ago, but I know people, we don't really look back. Actually, me and Matt are going to work on a project about honoring past <laughs> accomplishments of lifters, but put a pin in that for now. But um, yeah, that is a crazy stacked. I don't think we've seen And Matt. Maybe you help me out since IPF went raw, the most recent version of the IPF. Um, so since 2012, have we seen a more stacked 120 plus division as Jezza, Kelly, Blaine and Ray? No. I mean, that's just, it's, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah, and them pushing each other. Yeah, right because a, a, a couple of times we'd have one without the other. So you know, I think I think in in Belarus we had we had Jezza, but we didn't have Kelly, if I remember correctly. Um, That's right. Yeah, in Colleen, so, Texas, and, Kelly was there. Kelly he was. He was in seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's so, but it's never been those four. So to your point, Ryan, yeah, where you've yeah. got where you've got four people that have won world champions before, and four you know titans all clashing for that one goal, we've we've never had that kind of depth at the soup, you know. And, and you know, to your point, and you always talk about it before the the light classes and the heaviest classes, you know, are the ultimate outliers because there aren't that many people that are that large walking around, just like there aren't that many people that small or that light walking around. So when you have four supers like that that are all clashing and 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 have tremendous strengths it's just yeah 
is something to see. And we haven't seen it since. Yeah, it was uh, actually, it was Blaine that was missing because he went equipped. Right. He started yeah, developing, uh, I had him on the podcast back at the hip the issues. That time. Hip issues. That's right. Yep. So the squat suit um, so, helped the hip issues and yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we had a couple, couple of rematches, if you will, if you want to call it that with Jezza and with, and with Kelly present, but never all four of them again. That was it. It was, um, and were you, you were there in the 2015, correct? Cause I, I, I was, I was not. So I was actually, that was the year that I got injured. And so that's, that's the, the, the one world championships that I wasn't with Ray. And so Susie was there and Susie was, was, uh, you know, Angela Simons was the head coach of the national team that year, but Susie was there and Susie was helping Angela call the shots for Ray. So she was there in my place. Is that the the victory that is the sweetest for you, Ray? When you look back, that's the one. That's the one. Just because it was the one. It was a turning point in my career because it came down to the last pull of somebody else to either win or lose. Like that. Like PA Nats, it was in my hands. I had the last pull. I pulled this. I'm in. I don't. I'm not. It was in Blaine's hands, and that kind of made me take my training a lot more serious. Like, I don't ever want to be in this situation again. Mm. It made you level up. Competition makes yeah. you level up. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It, it, compare that to um, the big accomplishment of having squatted 1,000 pounds. I mean, when that happened, ESPN, I mean, everybody. I was going to work, I remember at the time, and I mean, I got a normal office day job. These people don't follow powerlifting or anything strength related. And they were all like, did you see in the news? Um, somebody squatted a thousand pounds. Do you know that guy? And I'm like, holy fuck. How do you know that guy? Yeah, I do. But I'm a powerlifting nerd. And they were, um, everybody was blown away. It was, it was, uh, it hit the mainstream for the first time. Um, how does that compare to your other accomplishments? And when that happened, how did it feel to be like in such mainstream media outlets? I mean, when you love something, you, you wanted to grow. You wanted to, you wanted to always be relevant. Like I just wanted powerlifting to grow. Like I got tired of, you know, you going into a grocery store, people see you be, Oh, you body bill. No, I don't body bill. <laughs> but there is another sport where you lift heavy weights to be big. You know, like, I just wanted the sport to grow. Like, I didn't really care about all the other stuff because, believe it or not, as many times as I've been on CBS Sports and ESPN and all the magazine and articles that have been done, you know, um, Guinness Book of World Records, you don't make no money off that stuff. I mean, somebody else got – somebody else – like, and, and that's the crazy thing about it. Like, people are like, why don't you have your own YouTube and all that? You can make, I don't, how can I put this? At the time, all I cared about was what I was doing. Like, I love powerlift. It makes me feel better. This is my therapy. And I know that there are thousands of other people who need this just like I do. Some people that don't feel comfortable going sitting on the couch and spewing their guts to somebody like this can be your therapy, too. I just wanted this sport to grow like. 
and Coach Gary trains people, David trains people, and I'm pretty sure you've worked with people in your past before. That's I right. guarantee you, you've had at least two or three people in the time you've been training, coaching, and programming. People that have come to you and said, I've had an effed up life. I have a lot of trauma. This is my outlet. Like, people need this. You know, and the thing is, like, let's let's grow it. Let's let's take the organic approach and let's grow powerlifting. And, that, and to me, all that that that's all I was helping doing. I mean, I don't think I did it. I think I, I just helped move the along. Because um, I've sat down and had conversations with um, Ed Cohen and 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 other guys that have done this. It probably would have been done if social media was as big as it is now. Like you could press a button, bam, and your latest PR can be in Uzbekistan, Tarskin, Uzbekistan. Right. It, it can be over in Belarus. Like, you know, if those guys had the, the technology we had, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But it just so happens I came along right as powerlifting and social media kind of intersected. And it just so happens that, you know, a lot of good stuff was being done in that period. And I'm just, I'm just glad I helped. I had my, well, I'm, I'm not going to say I had my, I was in that little blip of time when the powerlifting and social media were really digging each other and they came together and just helped grow the sport. That's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. To, to your point, I mean, just your performance in uh, December, I posted your squat and um, I put it on TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but it got like 2 no, million sir. views. It got 2 million <laughs> views like super fast and a new generation of people, TikTok's younger generation that weren't around for the initial thousand pound squat uh, going back some years ago, certainly weren't around in 2015 for that big world's performance or any, you know, even Calgary or whatever. They missed that. They're too young. They're just too young. If you go back five years and you're 15, you're a child, you're 10 years old, you're not paying attention. New people are now being introduced to uh, to Ray Williams all over again. And um, and it's crazy. And you see older people in the comments being like, that's Ray Williams. <laughs> you know, and, that's, that's, and that's what's so excited about this younger generation of power lifters. Like now every good thing you see, well, every good thing that happened, you can see. And now the the younger generation the the Jesus the 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 Amanda Lawrence's um even though Bonique ain't young but she's still doing her thing you know what I'm saying like now everything that happens is right there and it's growing the sport it's it's pushing powerlifting in a positive direction because to be honest with you before social media came along if you were a powerlifter nine times out of ten you got accused of being on steroids. Mm. But now people know that, hey, this can be done without drugs. Like, you can be this strong without PEDs or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm just glad I was a part of that wave, you know. Um, not saying I'm a pioneer or I'm a goat or I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm just Ray. Like, that, that's, that's all I want to be. That's all I ever wanted to be. I don't need the aliases, the, the nicknames. I just want to be Ray. Like, when I'm dead and gone, you can call me what you want to call me, but I just want to be Ray. Having said that, and, and it's interesting and I get it, but because you are who you are, you won five titles in the 120 plus, which is a, a crazy run. 
and you're still competitive and in it now. So you have an opportunity to add more titles. Um, you, you're, you know, obviously world records hit milestones, thousand in sleeves, you know, because you've done everything you've done, even though you want to just be Ray, people are going to say you are the goat, you are this, that, and the other. And for sure, there are moments where like when you're squatting a thousand pounds and you're hitting all the mainstream, you don't only, you don't only have a thousand pounds on your back at a certain point. It felt like you had the sport on your back because nobody else could take us into the mainstream. Like you could, um, it's just the way it is. I, you, and, and you don't get to pick and choose whether it's you or not. It just kind of happens organically. Just the media said it's this guy, you know, and in the rest of the powerlifting community is like, well, Ray, keep carrying us. Like it's, it's on you right now. I know. And so I get where you're like, look, I just want to be Ray Williams, but is it difficult to have that on your back when people call you the goat and they're going to, cause this is sports talk. Um, you know, you're a football guy. You're going to debate football. Who's the greatest quarterback. Who's the greatest. It's all part. It all goes with it. What do you, how do you feel about that pressure? Um, you know, obviously you don't like a lean into it, what are you used to it? Is it okay? And having at points, the sport really being carried on your back, how do you deal with that? Or do you just shun it and be like, no? Well, it's like playing spades. Yeah, depending on what the rules are, the high joker beats everything. Right. My high joker is my motivation. My motivation has not changed. My motivation trumps everything. So when it all comes down to it, I just tune all that stuff out. Right now, my high joker is still in my hand. Uh, my motivation is still there. The fuel, the fire, all everything is still there, and you know, that's that's just it. Yeah, you got to tune it out. I guess I mean maybe when when you know you're you're an old man with grandkids, you could look back and start talking about your career in the past tense and start you know start telling lies. Yeah, start telling lies. Pounds <laughs> and, uh, a tuxedo with some slippers on. That's right. The stories get better and better. That's right. No doubt. Um, so you were the first man to squat a thousand pounds, um, officially, but you have a belt and you were notching every single time you squatted a thousand pounds. I got a question for you. So a, where is that belt now? Cause at some point it's going to be worth a lot of money. If you ever auction that off or whatever. Um, and would you consider doing that even if for like a charitable event, who knows? And B, how many notches are on that belt? My friend. How many times right. have you squatted a thousand? The original pounds? belt got stolen in Oakland, California. The original, but the new belt, uh, SBD replaced it immediately. Um, it has fifty-five notches. I didn't notch the Virginia Pro on it yet, but there are fifty-five notches. I've squatted a thousand pounds, fifty over a thousand pounds, fifty-five times. Holy smokes. I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if there's a human alive. You could say that besides yourself. And do you have plans to do something with that belt at the end of it? Or are you going to keep it in the family auctioned it off? Or are you just not even thinking about that right now? Uh, I think last time I talked to Pete Spence, I got like, I'm one of like the biggest belts they make. So I, I hope I can't pass it down. I hope no one in my family is as big as me for just no reason. But I have, I don't know. Um, you know, like sometimes I just look at it and just be like, man, since 2016, I've squatted thousand pounds over 50 times. Like it's, it's a blessing, man. Um, I don't know. 
you know, if there if there's a worthy enough cause, then yeah, I'd I'd auction it off. Um, I still got a. He's probably sold it by now. You know, at the time I couldn't afford it, but uh, Josh Roar still has the. I think he still has the bar that I squatted the thousand pounds on in Atlanta. I think he still has it. Um, I might need to reach out to Josh about that though. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if y'all give me one second, I have a, a matter to tend to at the front desk. Give me yep. one second. Do that. I'm going to ask Matt then. Let me kick yeah, it wanna, to you, Matt. Yeah. I want to, I want to make a comment about the first time that he did it, but go ahead, Ryan, please. Okay. okay you know what? Make a comment, but the first time you did it, then I'll double back on my question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in t- just discussing a little bit of history. So in 2016, um, obviously classic classic worlds were, were a home game for us. They were in Colleen, Texas. And so um, Ray came into that competition and um, you know, his, his squat was on such an uptick at that moment. And I truly believe, I mean, hindsight being 2020, I mean, we didn't structure the attempts that way. Um, it wasn't what was required to se- kind of secure a raw uh, world championship, if you will, um, given the competitors who were there. But having said that, I think he was primed and ready to squat a thousand for the first time in competition at Raw Worlds. But again, as I said, we, we didn't take that. Now he went on a few months later at our USAPL Raw Nationals, and that was in Atlanta, Georgia. When he squatted, it was 456 kilos. So it was a thousand five, technically. Um, that was the first time that it had ever been done, you know, drug tested, drug free, um, in knee sleeves and in competition. And that was the very first year that USAPL featured the primetime sessions. So Josh Rohr, the meat director, was, the, you know, he, he basically um, created or birthed this into existence, if you will, the primetime sessions. And I will never forget um, when Ray squatted that 1,005 on his third attempt. Um, the electricity in that room at that moment was, was unparalleled. It was, it was like a convention center. And so... Um, it was literally standing room only and everybody was on their feet. And so I think, and this is just for me, and I know that there's a lot of powerlifting videos out there, but Screamer Manuel, Stephen Screamer Manuel made the trip from Great Britain because he knew that there was a really high probability that history was going to be made. And he was sitting in about the second or third row. And he has on his Instagram, if you go to his his Instagram and you're going to have to scroll way back, um, I can send it to you, Ryan, after the show. But he, he shot a video from like the second or third row. And, and that is without question, the, that, that video has more hype than I've ever ski, see, or seen or heard um, because you've got Screamer Manuel literally screaming at the top of his lungs with his thick British accent. Come on, lad. Come on, lad. You've got I'm gonna this. Share it. I think yeah, I'm going to share it, that today. I'm going to send it to you. I'm, I'm going to send it to you. It, it, it is without question. And Screamer goes ballistic. And LS McLean is like sitting right in front of him, stooped down, and he's got his phone and everybody's on their cell phones and the, and the room was electric. And all that is to say that Ray squatted 1,005 and we celebrated and I will never forget. And it was just this unbelievable adrenaline dump. There was so much talk prior to that. And that's just when, you know, like Ray said, social media was gaining traction and gaining ground and Instagram was popping off. And it was just like becoming a real thing and being shown around the world. And then of course the clip gets shown on ESPN. There was so much hype and so much discussion leading into that competition of 
Is this the meet when he's going to do it? Is this the meet when he's going to do it? And his training was setting up and trending and we knew that he was going to do it. And we were going to put it on the bar for the third attempt. After that third attempt, man, I went into the, to the warm-up room and, and wept like a baby. I mean, I just, I cried because it was like there were, I felt, you know, there was a time when I felt, I felt the, what he was feeling or what he, what he must've been feeling, the pressure of the world and the pressure of the powerlifting community, this expectation of him to squat this weight, something that's never been done before, ever, mm. raw and in knee sleeves and how he carried that and didn't blink. I mean, didn't even blink. Like, you know what I mean? He, he, he knew it was going to happen. He spoke it into existence. He'd done it in training. And so it was just a matter of doing it on the platform when it mattered most. And I went into the warm-up room and I was a mess, an absolute mess. I mean, after that, I, I walked back there and needed a moment and I'm sitting there crying my eyes out hysterically um, and, and just unbelievable because it was just such a, you know, I was letting him celebrate and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was just like such a tremendous relief, man. Like, oh my God, finally we can check this box. And he finally did it. So there was that, that air of, you know, like, yes, he did it, but there was also just, just this huge relief, this sigh of relief, like, thank God. And now, you know, and, and then to his point, he's done it a total of 55 times. Now, obviously not 55 in competition that includes in training and so forth. But um, yeah, man, that was just a, a moment. And I'm going to send you that video from Screamer Manuel. And um, yeah, Ray, I was just sharing how it was just a relief that when you'd finally squatted in Atlanta, the thousand, how I just had a breakdown in the warm-up room afterwards, man. Because man, we me, all did. Yeah, we yeah. Really, did a, you as well, Ray? Man, like just it was it was one of them deals where I had I had squatted a thousand in the gym. In the gym. Actually, it was a thousand five in the gym just like a week before the meet. And uh it was just a relief just to do it. Um, also, I was at the time I was driving a company car and everybody was getting their cars broken into um, that weekend. So I couldn't wait to get my school vehicle out of there. Uh, so it, it was a lot going on that weekend. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the pressure you must have felt where it's like, is this the time he's going to do it? Is this the time? And you're chasing history. And after you squat a thousand pounds and, and that relief to wake up the next day and you know, all the following days afterwards and see it all over the news and like, be like, you know, it's sometimes you don't know if this milestone will be accredited and, and cheered on as much as you, you had hoped, or if it'd be mostly just you yourself and your team, but it, it will have lived up with the amount of like, it's to this day, it's still like the moment And Matt telling me that you probably had the strength at 2016 world's Rick, man, I was commentating at that world. I would have died if it happened there, but um, it is what it is. Now, now Ryan, I got to deal with that, Matt. That's the big <laughs> fish that got away from me, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> Can I say two more things, Ryan, before yes, you sir. Ask, ask your question? So, yeah, so the big, you know, um, obviously I think what's eluded us and is still on Ray's goal list is, you know, is the, is the 500 kilo raw squat. And I think if there's a man that can do it, it's, it's, it's Ray. He's still that guy. And so um, just, just speaking in terms of his squat trending upward and so forth. And um, you know, his, his current world record is 477 and a half, which is 1052, but Ray has squatted 490, which we did at the Arnold. But I just wanted to, 
to say this, and Ray can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ray has never been stronger, um, probably in all three disciplines, than we were headed into Canada, um, into, into IPF Worlds up in Calgary. And we were we had the expectation of potentially being able to squat 500 kilos there at that competition. Now, unfortunately, his squats didn't meet the standard, and uh, we got called on depth on the opener. Mm-hmm. And at a world championships, when that happens, you're going to repeat it. Um, and, and we did that and we repeated it and we met the standard. And then we took an unusually big jump more than we would normally take, you know, Ray's typical progression at his strength level is going to be in that 22 and a half to 27 and a half kilo range. Anyway, we took a bigger jump and, and went up to go ahead and, and, and chip his world record. And again, uh, he nailed the squat. It was, it was comfortable. It moved really well, but didn't meet the standards. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was the day that Ray um, went on to hit his, his PB deadlift. And I just want to make a comment about that just to put things in perspective. So Ray at that, at that meet in Canada, Canada, again, that was the IPF world championships on our third deadlift, we took 398.5 kilos. And so that's just under, you know, that milestone deadlift of 400 kilos. And the reason that we took that is because at that point in time, we'd only made one squat. We made our benches and I'm looking at getting him the best lifter award. And that was still when it was done on Wilkes. And so I was running the math and running the numbers and I'd already seen, you know, that's the advantage of being a super as you can see everybody else at the meet and they've already played their cards. So Sergey Fedosienko, I believe was, was charted for best lifter. So I literally, I'm running the numbers and doing the math and I'm like, we are taking literally 0.5 kilos over what we need to take to beat Fedosienko on Wilk's score by like fractions. And so that was our rationale for taking 398 and a half and Ray was very angry that day because, you know, he didn't meet the standard on the two squats and we really felt like 500 could have been on the table that day. Um, and so he was highly motivated going into that third deadlift. And if, and if anybody recalls who's watched that live stream, that 398 and a half moved well. I mean, he had more in the tank. It was comfortable for mm. a third, for a third attempt comfortable. So all that being said, um, you know, th- that, that kind of shows what the man is capable of. And then just one more thing I'll add, and then back to you, Ryan, was the day that we squatted or that Ray squatted 490 was was at the Arnold after the world championships. So we had the, we had the world championships in Calgary. And then the next time we went to the Arnold was in 2019. And that's when Ray squatted 490. And so the Arnold being this exhibition style, this showcase style, if you will, where the competition doesn't qualify you for anything, you can be a little bit riskier. You can put, you know, just like Brandon Petrie was talking on your podcast a little while ago, it was the pro series finals. And yes, there was cash at stake, but you can be more aggressive in your attempt selections at the Arnold because it's not qualifying you for anything. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot to lose. So at the Arnold that year in in 2019, Ray hit his uh, opener and uh, we jumped to um, 477 and a half on the second. We had every intention of squatting 500 kilos that day. The 477 and a half, he got called on depth. He didn't get his foot quite where he wanted it. And and so when he came off the platform, we knew that we were going to go ahead and go up, but I could kind of see it in his eyes because we he didn't get his feet set to quite perfectly and it didn't move quite the way he wanted it. We settled on 490. And um, and that and that was our rationale so that people know. And so it's it's you know, and I've said this on your podcast many times before, Ryan. What people can Monday morning quarterback attempts 
all the time. You know, they can come in the next day and say, oh, you nailed the 490. Why didn't you put 500 on the bar? Well, you were in the backstage. You don't understand the context. You don't understand the conversation. You don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. (laughs) Exactly. Just like David, you know, David was there at PA Nationals and and he's got his finger on the pulse literally and figuratively with Susie. And so as the game day coach, you see those things, you are privy to those conversations. And, and it's not, it's not an excuse. It's just, you're privy to that information that you don't glean from a score sheet that you don't glean from a live stream after the fact. So people often second guess and say, well, why didn't you put 500 on the bar that day? Well, that's the reason because the 477 and a half mm-hmm. didn't move and didn't feel to him. And I can <clears> see it in his eyes. And he even said, and we both kind of, I was like, how does 490 sound? And he's like, that's exactly what I was thinking. And so that's why we took 490. And then you can see when a lifter comes out on a third attempt, gets their feet set appropriately, and everything is perfect, he nails the 490. And it's like, eh, he probably had 500 on that lift. 2020 hindsight, though. Yeah, but that's no that's, what, that's what goes into those types of decisions. And I'm not saying that's unique to us. That's unique. That's the situation for a lot of lifters and coaches, for almost every lifter and coach, is that people – seeing a score sheet or seeing a live stream, they're not in the back. They don't know where those conversations that are taking place and they can't tell when a lifter's grip is off, when a lifter's foot is off or something like that. So anyway, I just thought I would kind of add that layer of context because those are, you know, some of his best lifts and those are kind of the behind the scenes stories about them. Ray, looking back, who would you say was the number one opposition you faced? in competition when you if you're going to think of one name one lifter off the top of your head who would be your number one sports rival Um, probably from afar it would have to be kelly and jessa because for a little while, I think Kelly attempted. He he came up with 970 at the Arnold. They just didn't give it to him. And Jessa and myself were the only two or are the only two IPF lifters to hit 1,000 in competition. Yeah. Uh, probably those two. And, and you guys had some good battles. I I, I was able to comment uh, commentate for a few of them. And um, now we have Jesus Oliveras. What do you expect from Jesus Oliveras moving forward? Um, he's, I want to say, twenty four. He's a young dude. He could be around for the next ten years or so. Quite like he, who knows? He could be more than ten years. What are you expecting from him? Do you think is he the next dynasty, so to speak? Do you think, or or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at his trajectory, yeah, like the the young brother is like tearing the game up right now. And um yeah, like he is definitely the future. Um he is definitely handling himself the right way in competition. Um and I, I just gotta say, like I'm just looking at it, I'm just like, man, like the future is bright for the for the powerlifter, you know. Um, I do think um, he is that guy, uh, or or has the potential to be that guy, because you know, um, 
powerlifting is a day-to-day sport. You walk in one day, you're healthy, and the next day you slumped over. So, mm. you know, as long as that young brother stays healthy, he's got a bright future in the sport of powerlifting, like with, without a doubt. He he handles himself like similar to how you handle yourself as well. The way he fields questions and um, yeah. And he doesn't really get pulled into the trash talking where a very respectful young guy who you know, it's uh, he, you we guys have, are- we have, we, we have, we have competitors dialogue. And what that means is like, we'll reach out to each other every now and again. And how you doing? How's your health? How's your family? And that's it. You know, we, we, we ain't small talking. We ain't, Hey man, you got that new Madden. Nah, that, that ain't it. But you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's respectful competitive dialogue you know like we both know that one day we're going to share a platform one day we're going to go head to head and for that two three hours it's going to be respectful competitive dislike like we're not going to like each other for that space of time then when it's all said and done this is when the dust settles we'll shake hands we'll acknowledge each other and we'll go our separate ways i mean you know that that's all you know, like, and, and that's the thing, like, um, I think Mike Tyson said it. Um, Mike Tyson did say this. Uh, everyone you fight isn't your enemy, and everyone who helps you ain't your friend. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't, I know one day we're going to go to battle, and we're going to walk off the platform, and it's going to be what it is, you know. I don't see him as an enemy or anything. I just see him as this guy is good competition and we're we're going to go to battle one day and we're going to lay it all out there you know and i look forward to that day because that young brother is he is a unit Uh, what does it mean to you to know like he's obviously with this trajectory younger guy so he's going to be around for conceivably he could end up being the next ray williams if you will um down the road so what does it mean to you to be like, listen, before I leave the game, because he's like over 10 years younger, to face him on the platform and have a proper clash between you two to kind of link the two eras together. How do you think that impacts you, your career, and how much does that mean to you um, to, to have that? Uh, It's just like football, man. Like, you know, I'm an Alabama fan every year. You know, the Iron Bowl is bigger. The Iron Bowl is bigger to the fans than it is the head coach because the head coach just sees it. It's just the next game. Mm. And, you know, being a football player, being a football coach, that's my mentality when it comes to competition. It's the next game. You know, um, that's, that's just that's how you have to look at it because if you put too much energy – into the actual person, like I'm about to compete against um, this person and what's going to end up happening, you're going to put more focus on them and the actual competition than you are yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my my biggest, my biggest thing. Like as of right now, as of right now, I am my biggest competition because I'm trying to beat the best. Like coach said, going into Calgary, we were as strong as we've ever been. That was the best version of me. I want to beat that guy. So when I'm training, I'm not training to beat anybody other than myself. My, I am my biggest competition. And, that, and that's no disrespect. That's no slight to anybody. Anybody. 
because that's always been how I look at it. Because at the end of the day, what I eat don't make him crap. So I can't worry about nobody else but me. Now, when we roll up to the wherever the competition is going to be, it's going to be a different situation. But in training, I'm my biggest competition. I'm trying to beat me. And, and you know, that's, like I said, that's just how I have to look at it to keep my focus where it needs to be. As a, as a sport, and that totally makes sense because right. we've seen other lifters chase certain individuals over and over year after year, and it becomes like they could have just been focusing on themselves. And it does, it right. creates extra stressors that are outside of your control. And, um, and, 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 here's, and here's some, like Coach Gary said, here's an extra layer of context. In Sweden, the last warm-up I took in the warm-up room was 9.03. It was heavy. It was heavy as hell because I, was, I had food poisoning, I had strep, and I had mono all at the same time. So took 9.03. It was heavy. The first attempt on the platform was 9.70. Coach Gary, actually, how do you feel? Because he was like, that looked kind of slow. That didn't look like, because earlier in training, I had hit 970 for a triple. So we come back down 903 to the flu. That didn't look good. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I lied. I didn't communicate with my coach because at that time I was chasing 500. I was chasing the number. I wasn't focused on being the best version of me that day, I was chasing the number. And chasing the number got me my very first and only competition in which I bombed out. Whereas if I would have communicated with my coach and been honest and just shot, kind of like we did at PA Nationals, just be the best version of you and see what happens. Mm. I didn't do that in Sweden. Where we could have lowered the attempt, I could have at least gotten my foot in the door and gave myself a chance to secure another world championship, but I didn't do that. I was chasing numbers and not being, you know, being that intuitive, instinctive person and listening to my body. And it cost me. So that's why Sweden taught me more than anyone will ever know. And isn't that the way it always is, right? Yep. The tough the tough times, like a loss teaches you way more than a win. And you got more than you got the most wins we've ever seen in that division. But the loss is the one that kind of stands over like that made me better. Mm -hmm. I had to level up. And that's why PA Nats was capable. When you guys are saying the PA Nats story, that's what I was thinking too, is like, this is a mature Ray Williams now that adjusts to the day and, and do what you have to do to get the win. And you did it again at USAPL Nats. I think later on that same year, um, you had a very mature performance to clinch what you had to do to get the win and, and keep it moving and not chasing numbers. Um, I think that was 2019 later on because P and that's followed the world's Ron uh, Yeah. The raw Nats. Yeah. was a nice rebound performance where wasn't that coach Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it really close between the last yeah, the top three, yeah. top four. I mean, like Trey was, Williams, I it believe was, it was, or Trey Thomas. Sorry. Yes. Trey, Trey Thomas. Yes. Trey Thomas. Yeah. It's yeah, funny. Chicago. that they, that was in Lombard, yeah, Illinois and Chicago. That's right. Yeah, it's, I actually brought up that case study in my book that I just wrote, was discussing about taking the minimum and making deadlift changes and so forth. So, right. yeah. So, great job. Ray lost his balance on his third attempt squat. And, I mean, we, we knew going in 
that he was he was pretty much the only competitor that we had to focus our eyes on. And so we put together a game plan that was, I mean, literally and figuratively, we want to win this meet with the absolute minimum amount of weight lifted yeah. that we possibly can. And so we went in with that notion and, and Ray lost his balance on his third squat and Trey being the bencher that he is um, benched, you know, a house. And so made it interesting in the deadlift. And so anyway, it, it, it all came out in the wash where we were able to, you know, secure a victory with, um, with the deadlift and just essentially going up two and a half kilos from our second to our third to win. But yeah, we just, and, and that's, just, that's one of the most insane things that people don't realize is um, the, the, the coaching aspect that goes behind the scenes. Coach Gary is literally one of the greatest out there that knows how to do this. And I've learned from him myself. I I've done it myself plenty of times and it's being able to just move that athlete just one step closer, one step mm-hmm. closer, have the athlete not worry about anybody else. Don't even look at the screen kind of thing. And you know what you do, what you need to do. I'll get you there little by little. I'll put you where you need to be. I'll put the number where it needs to be. You just go on the platform and perform. And it's, it, it's an art. At the end of the day, it's an art. There's a reason why, if you haven't, you better go buy Coach Gary's book because (laughs) it is the truth. There is an art to it. And it's an art that unfortunately uh, isn't taught. We we can teach programming. We can teach how to coach someone from from cues of squat, bench, and deadlift and accessories. But there is an art that is really only learned and taught through experience at meets of experiencing, okay, how can I get this person a little closer? And some people don't realize this, that let's say you have an athlete who's got a massive squat and they have a great bench. And then they also have a pretty good deadlift. Well, now you have to play around. Okay. Something was bothering them in the squat. How can we make up ground on bench and deadlift? Oh, now we have another guy coming up and he's only five kilos behind or five kilos ahead. How can we jump ahead of that? There is a chess game being played and uh, very few coaches uh, know how to properly do that. And I mean, coach Gary's got a great tool book out there. Once again, if you haven't bought it, go buy it because you're going to learn a lot um, just from this man. Uh, it's a, it's a beauty. It's an art. And I've seen it happen with coach Gary. I've done it myself. I know coach uh, Ray, he's going to be doing it with a lot of his athletes. So it's a, it's a crazy thing. And you know what? I want to piggyback off a quick story you mentioned earlier. Go ahead. Um, it, it's weird. And I, I don't know why it keeps happening, but some of Ray's performances somehow have always been attached to it. Not even trying to, it's just, I've always been attached to it. 2019, I was asked to, uh, to be the announcer on the platform with Gino, right? And obviously he won a national championship. And then out of nowhere, this one was really weird. Uh, if you ever go back and look at the, or listen to the recording for his 1080 uh, at the Arnold, same thing. This was back in 2019 or 2018 or 19. It was 19 when he did 490. 19 and yep. let's say 2015 to 2019, it was during a time period where live streams were becoming a thing. And it was during a time period where nobody wanted to do the live stream. So I always just kind of volunteered my time. I was like, you know what? If I'm not coaching someone this session, I'll do it. So I would be coaching sessions and I do the live stream. Commentating? 
yeah, I've, the amount of once 2020 kind of reached, I kind of stepped away from the commentating and the announcing on the platform so much, just mostly because I started noticing there was a wave of people finally having the guts to kind of do it or realizing, hey, this is kind of fun, right? right. Um, which is for some people being in front of a microphone and, and uh, mm. saying a bunch of crazy things and trying to get the people hyped up and giving information into the sport, it's, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. And so people don't have that. And I get it. Um, but we have people like you, Ryan, who are able to just push for that and show people, you know what? this could be a position for people to do right and you've seen other people do it anyways that 1080 you hear me go crazy because i realized what was happening it was it was history in the making that 1080 it was it it gave you a glimpse into what's going to happen and i'll say that again what's going to happen in the future of what ray will eventually do um it was electric it was insane um and it was just, it was history in the making. Um, just, I, I know Coach Gary and myself were, were proud to be surrounded with Ray and, and his greatness and just kind of be in the shadows of it. Uh, because at the end of the day, he's, he's the one. He's the one out there. He's the one putting in the work. So, yeah. yeah it, um, if he hits that 500, l- let me tell you something. Like doubling back to the Jesus <laughs> Oliveras. Yeah, I'd be nuts. Doubling back to the Jesus Oliveras uh, potential showdown that seems mm-hmm. destined it's destiny. It's going to happen. Um, if that 500 happens against Jesus, holy smokes, that'll be absolutely bonkers. But I, I'll tell you this right now, because I'd asked Ray what it would mean to him to, to face Jesus um, as a sports fan. And, and I understand Ray answers like an athlete and it makes total sense as a, on the flip side, as a sports fan watching um, when you see this and this happens in sports often very much happens when two eras cross paths, but there's an age gap of 10 years or more. So, you know, those two eras aren't going to be like Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, or Andre Agassi versus Pete Sampras in tennis or whatever. It's not going to be like that, where you face each other multiple times over the stretch of like your entire careers. Um, it won't be like that because there's the age gap. Instead, it'll be like other sports rivalries where, you know, there's one era and then there's another era. And for a very brief time, they're going to overlap. And that's that brief time is very special because they have the overlap. And one of like, two things. Uh, De and Mayweather. Very well said, sir. That's it. I was trying to think of one, but that's it. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, Pacquiao, Delahoya, they, Pacquiao it, as well. It got, it got held off a little bit too long. And yeah. De La Hoya was just out of his prime. Well, yeah. Pacquiao, uh, Matt, Pacquiao, Pacquiao Mayweather yeah. shared this. They shared the same era. Yeah, Hoya came first, then Mayweather. So I think Ray's right. is more. Uh, I think Delahoy Mayweather is more. Yeah, but anyways, better analogy. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah. in terms of this, what happens is either the the first era dynasty gets one win over the next era that moves forward, and it becomes one of those he had a win over that next era that preceded them that came after them. And it's like, it, it really is something special. If people look back at, they'll dissect all the different wins, the blame Sumner battle, 2015 to, you know, 2000, all the different wins, like, but it was really special. You know, when, when um, he got the win over Jesus who ended up going on to become, however, even if, even if Jesus wins, it becomes special as well. Cause it's an iconic moment when you pass the torch. And it's important in sports often to be like the passing of the torch. This is how the torch gets passed on the platform. You shake the guy's hand and be like, 
you know, I had my day and here it is, son. And and there's all, both are special. It's very special because your, your legacy is cemented in the sport. All right. So um, I don't know when, when those two eras cross paths and what's nice on this one is um, Jesus has got enough time, at least that he might end up breaking the all time untested record as well as the open record is, and it has a couple you uh, world title wins and you know what he's going to do with Sheffield. So his resume is there by the time you clash. Sometimes you don't know what someone's resume becomes until like five years later, like, Oh, Jesus ended up being really good. We now have that appreciation in real time when you finally do clash. Whereas yeah. sometimes some errors, they overlap and you don't realize the, the significance of that matchup until five years later when the other guy ends up becoming what he becomes. Um, so anyways, just to the point of as a sports fan, uh, how much it means, and it doesn't even matter which way it rolls out. The significance is, is, is special because both you guys are going to be remembered. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, uh, yeah. So having said that, I would like to get into the name game where, um, because we're getting close to two hours here. So I'll let you guys oh. go. I actually have a, so I want to be mindful of your time. So I know you guys are all busy. So mm. I'm going to say to you, Ray, uh, a few names. Give us, and you fellas can jump in with a couple names too, if you hear one that you, that you like, but you give us either one word off the top of your head. When you hear the name, two words, a story, you can give as much or as little as you like, but it could literally be, um, Jesus Oliveras, and it could be like the future or, or it could be a big explanation, whatever you like, my friend. So with no further ado, we'll get into the, the name game. Let me pull my names up here. <laughs> this man's got a list. <laughs> I got a list. I came prepared. Okay. Right. Let, let's start it off. Let's start it off. How about, um, Jezzawepa? Family man. Yeah. How about... I would have said the same thing. Okay. Uh, how about Kelly Branton? Good friend. You guys stay in touch? Oh, yeah. I talk to Kelly all the time. Okay. Um, how about Taylor Atwood? That's a boss. Like, <laughs> like Taylor, I mean... The, if I had to dub him something, it would be the technician. Like he is, his lifts just look so crispy and technically smooth. Yeah, I would just, I would just, I would just add to that 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 he doesn't. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that for that aspect. Mm -hmm. I think I think Ray, you know, T Taylor gets all the accolades and everything, titles and dots and points, all that stuff, right? But man, it, he is so technically sound. The way he executes, it's pristine. His lifts are fun to watch. They're irrefutably good. And and so, yeah, he's he's Ray, Ray hit it. He's a technician. Ray, Blaine Sumner. I'm sorry. Blaine is my dude, but his his... His 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 handle, just the vanilla gorilla. Like you just can't <laughs> you can't get away from that. Like <laughs> can't get away from it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um Russell Orhe. Captain America. No, Tony Starks. Tony. Russell is the Tony Starks of powerlift. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Dan Bell. I'm a Marvel guy. Uh, whenever I look at Dan Bell, I think if you remember Abomination, when yes. um, the guy who just wanted to fight. So if I ever have to go into a dark alley and I need somebody to just help me like clear house, I'm going to call Dan Bell. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be on my short list as well. Well said. Dude. And kids. <laughs> well said. Um, okay. How about this one? David Garcia. Um, David actually came up here to help me move. And all I can think about was like the Energizer Bunny. Like it just, can you remember the old nineties Energizer Bunnies commercial where the guy with the monotone voice, it just keeps going and going and going. Like, damn, do you get tired? Like David has, David runs off solar power. Like he has to. But being that that's my dude, I got to give him a little bit more than that, man. David is probably one of the best friends I got. Um, like I said, I moved from Mississippi to Virginia. The man got on a plane, came up here, and just helped me move. Like, just helped me move. Yeah, that's, And that, the crazy that's thing about it, he was on one foot. Like, he had a messed up ankle. And I didn't know his ankle was messed up. I looked at his shoes. I'm like, David normally wears like slides, loafers. Why the fuck he got him on these boots? Like, he had on some <laughs> Like, dude, why the hell are you wearing boots? <laughs> and then he told me, like, man, my ankle's messed up. And I'm like, dude, why the hell are you helping me move? And, you know, it was just, you know, David is a good friend. Like, good as gold. Like, you look up the word friend in the dictionary or a true definition of friend and David is right there. Jesus Oliveris. The future. Like, I mean, that's all you can call him. Like, you know, like the kid is, okay, I ain't gonna call him man a kid. He's 24 years old. He's a grown man. Um, the future. Um, I think he has the ability and I say the ability to be the face of powerlifting for the next X amount of years. Cause I know I ain't doing this forever. Like, you know, I know I used to lie and tell people, man, I'm going to do it until now I lied. I'm sorry. I lied. I lied. Like once I hit 40, I may do a couple masters competitions, but I ain't doing this for 20 years. I ain't no way in hell. Uh, but yeah, definitely the future of powerlifting. Susie Gary. <laughs> uh, I hope Coach Gary don't mind me sharing this, but um, I always tell them they're my powerlifting parents because um, just the simple fact that nobody takes care of me like they do. Like when I'm willing to throw caution to the wind and go out and break my back, you know, they're the ones that reel me back in and. Uh, there was one picture that uh, the photographer captured, and it, and it, it if if I could, that picture is Miss Susie. That was mm -hmm. like she knew I was hurt. She knew I wanted more. She knew there was just no way you were gonna get more today. And she came, right. and she was just, you know, that picture says it all. If anybody knows the picture I'm talking about, I'm, I'm leaning over the key <clears throat> plates. I'm trying to keep weight off my leg. And she comes up, she grabs, she grabs me by the cheeks and was like, it's okay. It's okay. 
we that, all uh, it. that photo uh, was taken by Angelica from at Strong Shots. Amazing. And um, a beautiful photo. It I is. Mean, uh, somebody's got to frame that at some point. And she messaged me after Ray had posted that. And she messaged me and she said that is hands down her favorite picture she has ever taken. And she's been doing this for a while. She has been to so many incredible meets and that's her favorite photo. So when Ray shared it, I mean, I'm sure she had tears down her eyes, but yeah. it's uh, like you said, that, that, that's a powerful moment right there. Well, if you could, um, could you because, send me her, her social media? Yeah, so I got you. I, I got you. Credit for that photo. Yeah. Like she deserves absolutely. credit for that photo. Yeah. It's what I got um, you. You know, sometimes yeah. you get a good sports picture and it captures a moment and says more than the <sighs> caption could. And uh, I'll post it. I'll post this. Everyone listening to the podcast now is going to want to see this photo. So I'll put it. If you yeah. listen to the podcast, when this podcast drops, I'm going to put it in stories. But um, yep. you could see in Susie's face looking into your eyes and you leaning over that bar, taking weight off your leg. And there's a moment where it's like a for real human connection. And it's... um. It is a special moment. It really, really is. Uh, I'm so glad they caught that picture. Um, Man. Okay. One more. Mm. Matt Gary. I know I said I don't want the tag, the label, but he's the GOAT. Nah. Like, he's... At the end of the meet, this is going to be my my image of Coach Gary. Standing in front of one of those big TVs, looking at the numbers. He's got the game plan folded up. He's got one of those little Casio solar calculators, and he's <laughs> going to work. Like, that's going to be my image of Coach Gary. Now, I've also seen him fired up a long time ago in Aurora, Colorado, but we ain't going to go in. I'm going to let him tell you that story uh, on another date. Yeah. Like that was the only time I've ever really seen him pissed off before. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. But it's it's just he's getting fired be, up right now. Look at him. Yeah, it's turning but, red. But it's that, just the um yeah. he's the GOAT. Like as far as coaches go, like when I started powerlifting, I wasn't strong, I wasn't complete. And he made me, he helped me get to a point where like Kobe Bryant said, we'll never be perfect, but every opportunity you get to prepare and work on your craft, you cut the distance between yourself and perfection. He helps me do that. He is that that measuring bar in which keeps me on the path to perfection or chasing perfection. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about chasing perfection. Even though you'll never get, you'll never be perfect, it's the chasing and the pursuit of that that's it's the journey it's been said a million times but it's true listen fellas um i appreciate you guys coming on this podcast we crushed two hours and this was a good one i knew it would be if i got all you guys together the stories we could share um mm -hmm. i know you guys are extremely busy we're in like four different it's been places. one year one year in the making literally it's been, been one year this, this was a <laughs> tough podcast to put together we tried to do it for a year <laughs> let's not let's I'm going to start booking you now for next year. I was just going to say. <laughs> I got to start booking you now. We'll start talks. But we got, we now have a group chat with all of us together. So we'll get something going. But um, man, we, these are good stories. This is good. I like it. I, I we went some places here. And 
whatever the future is, let's keep in touch. And uh, yes, we'll, do this, we'll, we'll do this again when it's all sorted. We'll do it again. And, and we'll, we'll have some more to talk about gentlemen. I appreciate you very much. And uh, before I let you guys go, I'll, I'll give my sign off. Oh, actually, sorry. I'd be remiss if I didn't allow you guys uh, the opportunity to tell people where they can get a hold of you for coaching, uh, coaching services and whatnot. I'll, I'll let you go. Gary. Oh yeah. You can. Yeah. Uh, Susan and I are, are coached together. SSPT. You can find us at Supreme sports, uh, or on Instagram at ML Gary 72. Okay. David, you want to give us the, uh, yep. Uh, David Garcia at Mother Teresa of Gaines, uh, also coaching company with the Ray Williams uh, at Prime Predator Performance. <laughs> um, that's where you can reach us out. Email. She does a DM. Doesn't matter. We'll take care of you as well. Okay. And Ray, you got the similar as David just gave, right? Yes, sir. I just got to throw in a pitch for Iron Belt Gym here in Ashland, Virginia. Yes, sir. Just want you guys to know we are the number one strength training facility on the East Coast and in the RVA. So if you need some coaching tips, slide through the front doors and we'll get you sorted. I mean, listen, I'd buy a day pass just to meet Ray Williams. What are we talking about here? <laughs> if you were in the area, go buy the Iron Build, uh, Iron Built, and, and check it out. Check yes, it sir. out and live with greatness. Okay. Listen, fellas, thanks for coming on. Everyone listening, please do subscribe. Give us high ratings. And as always, six-pack lap at six up, and we are out.